Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, a Holistic Approach and Evolutionary Healer. And if you happen to be a highly sensitive person like I am, I would love to give you my free gift. It's called the Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide. And you can get it at sensitivesoulguide.com. So the, the, the whole intention of this show is to help you manifest the life of your dreams, whether that's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply common peace of mind. So thank you so much for joining me. Today I have a very special guest, Dr. Richard Ruling, who is a prolific author. And here's the thing, he is a medical doctor like I am, so conventionally trained medical doctor and internist, and he is a fellow in cardiology as well. And today's topic is a little spicy. So if you'd like to call in and, uh, you know, uh, share your perspective uh, nicely, of course, and, uh, you know, questions, We'd love to have you call in today's show. The number is 818-514-1190 and hit 1. So your hand is up, 818-514-1190 and hit 1. So Dr. Ruling has written, like I said, many, many books. Uh, one of the books is called The Fall of America, New World Order, and God's Plan for Positive People. So I thought, wow, this sounds fascinating. Uh, if you have been on Facebook at all or into social media, you've probably seen, especially if you follow me, probably seen a whole bunch of things related to, you know, the pandemic and whether it's a pandemic and, you know, the, the mask thing, like what kind of you know evidence is there and people, you know, are shaming people for not wearing masks and other people are, are standing up and saying, no, it's not right. I'm not going to wear a mask. And so there's all this arguing going on. And um, I, you know, because of my own illness, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, I realized that the conventional medical system did not work for people like me. And um, so I, you know, spent, had to be partially disabled in order to realize there's another way to heal. And our medical system is not the really the way to heal. Uh, And so Dr. Willing has had a lot of time in researching the background of all this. And uh, one, one interesting quote, if I got this right, was that uh, the opinion is, hey, you know, our medical care system is not a health care system. In fact, it's responsible for a lot of deaths. Uh, and I thought, whoa, okay, that's that's quite the statement. So, <laughs> so if you're interested in this topic, please listen in to this spirited interview. I'm sure it's going to be. So, Dr. Ruling, thank you for being on the show. Dr. Karen, it's a privilege to be with you, and it's always a, a nice opportunity to share with others a perspective that is so meaningful to us because we've come through life that way and see it uh, as it is. <laughs> and it's not necessarily what you hear on the evening news, uh, which lacks the uh, pharmaceutical ads and doesn't want to do anything to offend them. But uh, basically, uh, I'm seeing that that medical care really has no relationship or really an inverse relationship to health. Uh, the more more you see the doctor and take the uh, pharmaceuticals, the worse your health will become, basically, because it is not health care. Health care, Dr. Breslow of UCLA did a study, uh, federally funded, uh, uh, nearly uh, 50 years ago in the 50s, uh, or 60s, rather, and it was... Uh, uh, health habits, you know, uh, 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 do you smink, smoke, do you drink, do you, are you overweight, uh, do you get sleep, do you, do you get exercise, and, and that kind of thing. And uh, seven health habits were good for an 11-year advantage compared to people who had three or less. Uh, and so, uh, you, you know, the, the big three being smoking, drinking, and obesity. But um, uh, that's what we do. You know, that's, that's our, our initiative, and uh, we, can, we can be in charge of our ship for health. But uh, somehow... Uh, while I was teaching at the university, the dean came to me one day and said, you know, they're starting to call medical care 
health care. <laughs> like, wow, because we were in a school of health, <laughs> and we were doing health habits. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we bought, this country has bought the bait, and uh, we, they think they get health care when they go to the doctor and get a prescription, and that's, uh, that's a sad delusion. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now before we go on, I definitely want to um, say that I'm again. I and the way I do my shows is, as you know, now it's just kind of back and forth, and and whatever comes up pops into my mind. <laughs> I say so. One of the things that pops into my mind is some people maybe listen to the show and go, Dr. Karen, oh my gosh, is this a political thing? Are you like pro Republican? or you anti-Democrat, or, you know, because then there's all this fighting that starts to occur. Now, my personal thing is really like, hey, I'm just following the information, and I'm going to be open, you know, to whatever is out there. And, and my beliefs change daily if there's new evidence and data to support a different belief that would be for the highest and greatest good. And, of course, I follow, you know, God and source and what I'm led to, which may or may not mean that people agree with me. You and I, Dr. You know, Richard, may may not agree with each other in certain aspects, but I just want you to kind of field that piece about, hey, are you Republican or are you Democrat or is your opinion based on your opinions of politics? Well, uh, first of all, I'm I'm looking at a perspective that, uh, in fact, the, the title of the book that I'm promoting, Fall of America, is neither Republican nor Democrat. It's all of the above. <laughs> you know, I think there are problems <laughs> both sides, and I, I'm not trying to get anybody to vote any particular way, although um, I, a person might find this interesting that uh, I, I – I think that uh, Trump came out of nowhere to win the election four years ago, and there are a lot of people that voted for him then that will will do so again. Uh, I just, uh, but I see it actually. Uh, it, w- one of the books that I've I've written. Uh, well, let me just back up and say that that when asked about the end of the world, Christ said to study the Book of Daniel. And uh, the book of Daniel is a prophetic book that has outlined the kingdoms of this world with very good track record for 2,500 years. There was Babylon, Medo, Persia, Greece, or Rome. And since Rome, no world empire, in spite of efforts by uh, Charlemagne, Napoleon, Hitler, couldn't conquer Europe, uh, you know, and was humbled uh, not to, basically. Based, and, and this uh, dream in Daniel 2 uh, showed that, that uh, after the kingdom of iron legs, Rome, uh, no kingdom, the, the feet were iron and clay, partly strong, partly weak. And uh, Daniel told uh, told the king of Babylon that you are the head of gold. Well, I think in a history repeating, we are like the head of gold today. But, uh, you know, and people want to come to America, it looks like land of golden opportunity. But also in Daniel is a is an interesting vision of uh, a ram and a goat, a car- political cartoons, and this goat comes flying from the west and clobbers this ram, stomps it, breaks its horns, and historians tell us that that vision of Daniel was fulfilled by Alexander the Great, who clobbered the Medes and Persians. It mentions Medes and Persians in the text. Uh, hundreds of years before Greece ever came along, before Alexander came along, Daniel said that uh, uh, it mentions the first king of Greece. It didn't mention Alexander's name, but uh, the point is that... Um, Gabriel says this is at the time of the end. And so really that was not a fulfillment. It was just an application. History repeats. Historians will tell us that too. History repeats. And today the Medes and Persians are Iraq and Iran. And I said we would go to war against Iraq and Iran before 9-11, based on that dream, because uh, it's there. 
And uh, I believe the next war will be with Iran, not with Russia, North Korea, or, or, or uh, China, and uh, uh, because they're going to do something stupid, uh, you know, uh, and it will aggravate us. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into it except to say, and you're asking me, this is to answer your political question, the great horn on the goat that clobbers the ram, uh, in, animal, in Bible times, they cut off horns to make trumpets. And the great horn is the great trump, in my opinion. And it says it makes America, it makes the goat great. It, the goat became great. So, you know, uh, but after that, the, the great horn breaks, and I think he'll be assassinated. You know, that's just my opinion. You know, and I'm not saying that he's a great guy, a good guy, a Christian or anything. I'm just saying that uh, it fits the prophecy for today. Okay. Well, some of us are doing what we can to prevent uh, any unnecessary violence like that. But uh, I, I realize that, you know, in your cover of The Fall of America, New World Order, and God's Plan for Positive People, it looks like you have Obama on the cover. So can you explain that a little bit? Oh, you went to the Amazon edition. Uh, and Amazon does have Obama on that cover. But uh, oh, on my okay. website, the, the fall of America dot blog. I didn't uh, get dot com. They were going to charge me big bucks, but the, the fall of America dot blog. Um, you see a different cover. Uh, it looks like fall with the, the leaves turning. Uh, uh, you know, but uh, I believe if you think and you consider healthcare in this country as really a leading cause of death. And then you consider the other systems like um, education. I think it gets a failing grade. I think religions yeah. get a failing grade. And government is failing. Uh, so Fall of America, um, it might sound scary, but uh, I watched a, a, a video online yesterday uh, of a woman who was quite intelligent and she showed a lot of interesting stuff. And she mentioned the phrase, the Fall of America. She didn't know about my book, but she, she talked about the Fall of America. So, hello, you know, it, it's coming, I think, personally, based on Daniel's vision that said the head of gold and chest of silver, and it all, in the end, it's all ground to powder and, and blown away. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things I wanted to address. You talked about it's, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be scary. It's not scary. Is that I have found that um, one of the, um, the, if we want to call them the powers that be, so to speak, uh, manipulating humans is really to get them into a space of fear. And when people yes. are in fear, they buy stuff. Yes. <laughs> and they and they do, you know, things and they fight and all that kinds of things. And then if we can actually take our consciousness back and be in a place of inner peace and love. Uh, no matter what happens in the outside world, then we really rein in our own power back. So one of the things that people are like looking at the title of this show is like, oh, my gosh, the fall of America. Should I be afraid? Should I be terrified? And what you're saying is no. So maybe you can, you know, delve into that piece a little bit about, you know, the work that you do and that it's not meant to scare people. Like what is it meant Very to do? Very good. I, I, I'm glad you asked that. And, yes, uh, I'm not trying to scare people. I think they are trying to scare people toward a new world order, UN, uh, you know, just uh, the, that, that the push and the pressure is towards a UN global government. And I think that will be bad. Uh, they uh, specifically, uh, UN has not got a good track record. Um, Rwanda, uh, 25, six years ago, um, they had uh, a million Protestant Tutsis were slaughtered by their neighbors, and uh, they had enough U.N. vehicles on the streets of Kigali. Somebody said if you spit, you'd probably hit a, uh, one of those U.N. vehicles, but they all did nothing. They stood down and let uh, uh, the advice was let the local government, which was Catholic, handle it, and uh, the Protestants were dead. Pope later apologized, said sorry. Well, 
you know, my foot. Uh, he, he, I believe there are so many Catholic nations in the U.N. that uh, he will be in charge. And, and whatever you want to do, whether it's uh, um, uh, abortion or, or gay marriage or whatever, you know, I just say uh, the U.N. will be a mixing pot with lots of problems and medical care and, uh, you know, uh, vaccinations and all that. And the Pope is in favor of that, too. I don't think so. Uh, you know, to me, uh, I think we need independence and freedom and uh, uh let let us let everybody make their own choices rather than uh, take the freedom away and and you get to go to a FEMA camp if you're not in a harmony with uh, the a different plan of government. But the the uh, Bible prophecy is that it will compel people with a number. Uh, and uh, I think if you don't have the right credit card or the right numbers, uh, you won't be able to do business. And I I think that's not good. I like cash. Uh, you know I, I I hate to see cash go because uh, you can walk in anywhere and give cash. Right, or used to <laughs> be able to. <laughs> I know there are some uh, big chains that are uh, putting signs in yeah. their windows saying, you know, this is a cashless society. And I, I think that it's so funny that um, uh, that it depends on one's perspective. Like, I am a big picture person, so I like to see the big picture. So it's not just about, you know, what bacteria is on the mask and whether that's, you know, like, you know, a dose a thing or not, you know, I'm looking at the big picture of like what's for the highest and greatest good, like not just physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually and socially and all these kinds of things. And there's a lot of things that I'm seeing that I do not like or do not prefer, or do not want to vote for. Um, and, um, uh, you know, what does the average person in your, you know, perspective, um, what do they really need to know about this concept of the fall of America or, or the New World Order, based on your research, based on your perspective and, and doing this for a number of decades? Well, I, I would say one thing, and uh, there are other authorities out there besides myself. Uh, Joel Skousen wrote a book, uh, Strategic Relocation. Um, I have a, a friend, a colleague who works emergency rooms. Uh, he talks about cities being death traps. And I, I just think, uh, you know, if there's martial law declared, it won't come to my little town where there's not even a police station in, in my town where I'm living, in rural Arizona, uh, you know, and I live on a gravel road. Uh, I, I think that uh, it's going to come to cities. And I think if you want freedom, uh, I, I would say get out. The cities historically have been bad places. In fact, from a biblical standpoint, the first murderer built the first city. Cain killed his brother Abel and went and built a city. Now, I just say, you know, not good. Um, cities do have crime, sex, violence, everything that you don't want uh, in terms of peace of mind. Uh, and coming to a neighborhood uh, with this recent Black Lives Matter, uh, the rioting in, in near Seattle, they, they talked about getting rid of, of police and not using it. Well, then the, uh, a week later, those people showed up and says, uh, you know, um, you, you uh, took uh, – stuff from from black people and uh, we really should have your house you know <laughs> you know uh, the, the black people have been underprivileged and we need reparations and, and uh well you know i you know it's a free country they can do what they want but uh i don't think uh, uh trade you know wanting somebody else's house because uh of something that happened years ago or they didn't use their education well I, you know, to me, I'm I'm not for giving my house up just to, so that some black people can feel good. Uh, I I don't see color. I I, I think uh, there's black and white, uh, but we're all varying shades of brown. You know, uh, some are lighter, some are like uh, I I I've, in church. I like some black people just as well as, as some white people. You know, but uh, uh, it's 
biblical law. Don't want, you know, coveting is the last one. Why should you want your neighbor's uh, uh, house or wife or whatever? Whatever. It's it's, uh, you know, I think we need to learn to be happy with what we got and uh, go well with with that. Well, yeah, it seems to me that uh, some of these um, uh, city tactics, if you will. <laughs> are really there to scare people because I know even my own husband who's uh, you know comes from a kind of a rough uh, or grew up you know in in uh, some of a rough area um and uh you know he's like on the alert you know he gets into kind of a slight fight or flight just listening or watching some of these things happening to the big cities and to me it's almost like a concerted effect to to actually do them on purpose so they can showcase these things and scare us I don't know what your what your thoughts are on that. Of course, it's you know certain things are happening. I'm not saying they're not happening, but to me, it's almost like ridiculous. Like what, that doesn't make any sense at all. You know. Well, I think that uh, Switzerland is an example of a country that has done well in spite of world wars right around it, because they did not they were neutral. They did not get on one side or the other, but they all own a gun and they are taught how to use it. And uh, gun uh, gun privilege is fine. It, you know, cars kill more people in this country, but we don't say kill the cars, you know, stop the cars. We we they ha- you know, and people that drink uh, are are especially at high risk in a car, and people that drink are especially high risk with a gun. And but it, it's it's their religious beliefs partly that uh, who they think are bad people, and their inability to handle their own anger from maybe watching so many TV programs or what I don't know. But uh, TV is not the best place to spend our time. Uh, necessarily, you know, there's so much excitement, and then when the excitement's gone, we got to do something to make it, you know. And I, yeah. I just think uh, peace, you know, peace and quiet and study and read. And uh, but I, I would encourage anybody to uh, to consider a move to the country uh, before it may get to the point where you can't get out, you know. And that's that would be bad. Yeah, we're doing everything we can to, you know, um, have a different reality manifest, but sometimes things are necessary if it's necessary to wake up people or it's necessary for our growth and evolution. And and sometimes these events are not comfortable. I mean, I do, I'm concerned about, you know, my parents being in a bigger city and all, um, but uh, what you're saying is that we have some choice. And it doesn't mean we have to go running scared, you know, to live in the country, but we don't have full control over our consciousness, let alone anybody else's consciousness. So it's possible, you know, it's possible that, that, you know, very, very uncomfortable things may be happening in the future in these cities and like martial law and and things like that. Um, The funny thing is, Richard, is here I am in, you know, upstate New York and it's pretty, yes kind of country up here. Um, My nearest neighbor is acres away, but uh, we must have, you know, some military installations around here because we had been seeing a while back um, these planes and helicopters and, and, you know, all around. (laughs) I was like, really? What are you guys doing, you know? It's interesting that you're in upstate New York. I used to live in Cortland and would go to uh, Syracuse to give health programming, uh, uh, and I'm familiar with a little bit. Uh, you're you're straight up above New York City, or are you where about in, in the general Texas. area? So the, oh, the okay. north town, about six hours north of New York. So we're closer to the Canadian border than Syracuse. Yeah. Well, uh, Syracuse uh, is huge uh, compared Lake to George Rhode. has been a place that we vacationed at. Uh, clear water, and you can even drink out of the lake if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, Lake George, is, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's bigger than we are, but just, you know, gorgeous. So you're about two hours south, you know, of, yeah. of us 
here. So we're we're so lucky, so so lucky. I mean, good this, for you. You know, our Happy neighbors are amazing, and the people are amazing. And and yeah, some people got a little miffed. Not not you know. I mean, I thought it was not my thing, but some people got miffed that people from New York City were coming because they were so afraid of COVID. <laughs> You know, and and I, I'm yeah. like I'm like, hey, welcome. This is a great place to be. You know, like I'm so glad you're here. You know, I'm like completely different, but it's just kind right. of funny that Understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I don't know if we've covered uh, that aspect uh, to your satisfaction, but I think uh, Chicago has more deaths and shootings and so on, and and they're trying to control the guns uh, versus uh, places where. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're not sure whether someone has a gun or not, you, you're less likely to break in than if uh, everybody's guns are gone. You know, only the outlaws will have guns if, if, if they make gun, gun control real everywhere. Yeah, the funny thing is, is I, I'm sure you're aware of that film about guns. Uh, I think it was um, Michael Moore. Um, and uh, how, you know, he was he basically was talking to a Canadian and uh, now I, I I don't think he talked to a Canadian in my parents' city, but anyway, so he talked to a Canadian and he's like, you don't lock your door, and they're like no, and he's like well what about guns? Well we don't have guns, and they're like why aren't you why you know, why aren't you lock your door? And they're like well I don't know we don't we don't feel like we need to right? And they have that feeling of safety, and even in Lake Placid, uh, my neighbors, you know myself, we just you know had that habit of not locking the doors until there was a, a prisoner escape from Danamora. And uh, I oh. did some spiritual healing. It's a long story. I won't cover it. But anyway, so it was when my neighbor said, yeah, I, I bought a bolt lock for my door because these guys were not found for weeks and weeks. And I'm like, uh-oh, I better do something <laughs> energetically. But, um, yeah, just normally we just, you know, we just keep our doors open. And, and, yes, I mean, yeah, a lot of people in the North Country have guns. Uh, but Canadians, you know, don't, the average person doesn't have a gun, and they feel safer than the U.S. So, like, how does that, how does that all work, in your opinion? Well, I see that um, uh, from, I'm coming from a biblical perspective, and I see that the last night Christ told his disciples, uh, uh, if you don't have a sword, sell your coat and get a sword. Now, uh Peter whipped out his sword to cut off, but uh, he went on the offensive, basically. I, I think as a, it's a deterrent to others to know that you might have a, a weapon. And uh, I, I, in obedience, you know, I, I haven't practiced and I don't go to a range shooting, uh, you know, but I, I do have a, a, a pistol. You know, and uh, I just, I'm not eager to look uh, for doing it, using it, but uh, if, if somebody came in my house, uh, I would uh, like to know who they are and, and uh, be in a position where I could defend uh, my, my situation, you know. So I, I just say, uh, um, a lot of things are unknown for the future, but I see that uh, harmonizing our lives with good principles and good laws, and, and I, I think the Bible has good guidelines. It's proven the bestseller over the centuries uh, since the Gutenberg Press. That was the first book printed on the Gutenberg Press, and it enabled people who read that book to get out of Europe where the papacy was strong and uh, persecuting people to come to a free country, where and they risked life to do that, but this country was... Uh, uh, initially very good by people who uh, were protesting the Pope. Uh, now we don't protest, and, and things are going the other way with people coming from every country and all countries and uh, Muslims and so on, and uh, 
who knows what's going to happen in the near future. It, 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 the way things are going, lawlessness is is crazy, and uh, I, I like rule of the law and, and the fact that uh, it can be enforced uh, by a president that's willing to do that. Yeah, you know, uh, let, let's uh, talk a little bit about Jesus because, um, you know, you just mentioned him, and uh, I did not, you know, know about that quote. I'm not a biblical scholar by any means. Uh, my relationship with Jesus is more intimate and personal, um, but not so much biblical, so to speak. And uh, one of the things I grew up with, and of course this may be a distortion of what is being taught, but one of the things I grew up with is my parents saying turn the other cheek or in Bible school not in Bible school sorry in um, Catholic school turn the other cheek so I did a lot of that growing up um, I didn't stand up for myself which I you know I don't regret is a big word I learned a lot in the process um, stand up for myself but tell us about this you know turn the other cheek versus raising the sword like aren't they seemingly two opposite you know uh, advice <laughs> so to speak uh, good question. Uh, I'm seeing that um, that we have a duty as a Christian to be willing to forgive others, if, if specifically if they ask, uh, will you forgive me? Sure. You know, uh, Peter asked uh, uh, Christ one time, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? No, Christ says 70 times seven. But on the other hand, the government has a responsibility to enforce the law. And in the Bible, the law was eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. And because the government does not do that, taxpayers have to pay for a prison to put them in, pay for their food and lodging, for their recreation, for their medical care, their education, uh, all of this at, at, at the expense of some guy that murdered somebody. When in, in, in reality, uh, I, I once, uh, this is now 30 years ago, uh, read about a, a black guy that was drugged to his death behind a pickup. Some white guy did that. Well, if that white guy was drugged to his death behind a pickup, it would really go a long ways to helping racism and difficulty. In other words, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. But now we put them in prison and take care of them, and, uh, and then they get out in a few years uh, probation, and they do it again. You know, and uh, you know, total uh, lawlessness is what this country is coming to, uh, and uh, it's it's not good. You know, basically, I think biblical law, government should enforce it. We should have a forgiving attitude if they're sorry. You know, uh, but uh, I think people that don't face the music uh, are hardened in in their crimes to do it again uh, and again, whether it's uh, murder, rape, or whatever. You know. Mm. Yeah. So what you're talking really about is something I talk about. Uh... As, as having healthy boundaries. Like on the one hand, in our hearts, you know, we can be loving and forgive, you know, forgiving and compassion to where, you know, because everybody learned it somewhere, you know, how to be bad, you know, they learned it somewhere. And then as a society, we are not taking care, you know, of our people in that way. Um, so they don't have, you know, clothes on their backs, food to eat, shelter, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I can understand that even makes things worse if you have an abusive father, alcoholic, you know, that kind of thing. And at the same time as being loving and forgiving, having healthy boundaries. And so what you're saying is, hey, you know what? You do something that's going to threaten my, you know, home and my, my family, whatever, there are consequences to that. So you're not going to step all over me because that's not good for you or the rest of society. So I, I can well, see I that think there is an and, not an either or here. 
And I think also uh, in, in the Bible it says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Some people are going to get their just what's coming to them later, not necessarily now. Uh, if they're sorry, I can forgive them. I, I, You know, it says an angry man is full of poison. And if we go through life uh, yeah. uh, nurturing the negative emotions of anger, fear, guilt, and so on, it's it's not good. The Bible provides for us guilt uh, to be forgiven. God, I'm, I'm sorry I blew it. Please help me. And uh, he does. Uh, and, and we can renew our relationship, and, and every day is a new day for us. It doesn't have to have all the negatives from yesterday. And so uh, I think the Bible is a uh, daytime compartments that we can live well in and do the best we know. And I think the, the, that's the reason why, one reason why the Bible is a, a book of books, best-selling, and, and so on. It has, it's not just good maxims, though, for business and, and uh, be kind. Uh, I believe it reveals the future, as in the book of Daniel, and uh, we can know what's coming and, and how to relate to it. Uh-huh. Well, I definitely, you know, now that I, I you know, did more, um, you know, watching some documentaries like Missing Links with Greg Braden, and, and they're talking about these cycles, and you mentioned it early, these cycles, you know, history repeating itself, and uh, I just am observing just various different cycles, you know, in, in past, present, future, how they're all connected, um, and uh, it seems like, at least on the surface from what we know from archaeology and things like that, that, that whole civilizations have completely disappeared in the past. Let me share a, a little window of uh, a view from from uh, a broader view, since you like the big picture, and that is that uh, uh, I see a lot of similarities between uh, um, America and Egypt, which God, uh, the, the biggest event in the Bible uh, since creation of this world was the Exodus, and uh, the Egyptians uh, killed babies. In the first chapter, you know, Moses was spared. He was drawn out of the river, but they, they, they threw the babies in the river, the Israelite babies. And they, uh, and, but America has aborted 60 million. And Egypt enslaved people, but we have enslaved most people in America in negative lifestyles, alcohol, tobacco, uh, drugs that we call health care, but uh, it's a form of bondage, and uh, uh, many negative lifestyles. And so God is going to execute judgment on America like he did Egypt. And it's going to be a big event, uh, as the days of Noah, the Bible says. You know, that was big. And uh, uh, I believe that if we understand uh, the prophecies and the timing, I believe that we are, you know, just, just between me and you, from Roe v. Wade, 1973, it's 50 years to 2023, which in 50 is a jubilee. It was jubilee for Egypt. They, give, they were given freedom to leave Egypt, and they went to a promised land. Those were events for a jubilee year in the Bible. And I believe that uh, something big is going to happen in 2023. That's less than three years from now. And uh, for me, I, 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 if we're ready and we understand it, it's better than if we just wait and see. Wait and see is like in the wedding parable of uh, Matthew 25. It's uh, the foolish virgins, they were wait and see. But if you are prepared, you know how to act and what to do. And so I'd just like to encourage your audience, uh, you know, that the Bible is a, a good reason why it's the best-selling book, and, uh, but it's not right on the surface. You don't get it from the preachers. Uh, they're interested in uh, smooth, easy stuff to hear every, every Sunday, uh, 50 times different every in the year, you know. But uh, I think there's, the Bible wasn't written just, uh, just to be superficial. I believe that there's depth there. And uh, thank you for – let me just suggest, for those that might want it, uh, the fallofamerica.blog, not .com, 
and uh, uh, for a donation, ten dollars, you know, people spend that on a pizza or whatever. They can get uh, a lot of information, including a DVD that shows eating, how to eat well to reverse most diseases. It's a documentary. I sat across from a guy who had diabetes, lost his eyes to diabetes, but he got off of his insulin and other uh, prescriptions with this DVD, and was got, his neuropathy was improving by eating uh, wow. um, better. And uh, so that they get the DVD and the and the book, Fall of America, uh, for for a ten dollar donation you, on on Amazon. You pay ten dollars just for the DVD, uh, and, and plus three dollars shipping or four dollars on Amazon. So if you go to fallofamerica.blog, they get it all, uh, and uh, uh, for a donation, uh, they can get a lot of information that, that will you know from. The fact is there's a forgetting curve, and on tomorrow this time your your listeners will only remember half, and at the end of the week they'll learn, remember half of that. So not much, but if you get something, you, you can remember it and get involved and, and uh, be better prepared, I'd say. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, now let's talk about the Bible a little bit because um, okay. the Bible, like uh, I know when I grew up that um, I don't, I just had this thought because nobody told me otherwise that the Bible was this, you know, this this kind of book written. I know there's like you know Old Testament, New Testament, but aside from those two major sections, that I figured, you know, um, yeah, this was like written. At one time, like like we do publishing books now, like I might work seven or eight months on a book and then it gets published. But the Bible was actually put together over a very, very long period of time. And then there's that whole Constantine, you know, like uh, some people call manipulation, throwing out certain aspects of the Bible that did not uh, go with what the government wanted. So how do we know? Like how much of this Bible is manipulated, like even though it's popular? And what about all those chapters that they threw out? Like what about you know the uh, you know the Dead Sea Scrolls and you know some of the other things that they found recently in some areas of the world that are like quote unquote missing pieces of the Bible. So how much can we trust what's in the Bible given the politicized way that it was put together over the centuries? Good question. Thank you. Um, I am seeing that that uh, first of all. Uh, the main and important truths are still clear enough. Uh, it's the details that they messed with. and uh, I can give you some examples, but I'm not sure I need to go there. I just say uh, become familiar. And uh, 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 it is actually in the book of Daniel, seventh chapter, when uh, I mentioned previously the four kingdoms, Babylon, Medo, Persia, Greece, and Rome, there are four beasts in Daniel 7. And they represented those kingdoms also, Babylon, Medo, Persia, Greece, and Rome. But out of that fourth beast, uh, which was like a dragon, ten horns grew, but a little horn grew out of it, and it became very great. And it spoke great words against God uh, and uh, persecuted the saints and changed times and laws. The Protestant reformers believed that this was the papacy, which changed the calendar to, uh, you know, we have a Gregorian calendar. Just last Friday night, the new moon was in the sky, but it wasn't a new month uh, from from the world standpoint. This was in the middle of September, September 1819, but a new month, new moon. Uh, no relationship right now because God's calendar was changed, okay? And uh, uh, 50 to 100 million Protestants were uh, martyred during the Dark Ages when uh, the Pope emperors did the Pope's bidding to get rid of heretics, and they burned them at the stake, etc. And so 
uh, multiple stuff, the Bible relevant to today. And yes, there are changes made, including Sunday. It isn't the seventh day Sabbath, which was a memorial of creation. It is the first day of the week, if you look at the calendar right now. But uh, it's all going to be changing because uh, the Pope wants his day, uh, and, and, and when he becomes New World Order in charge, uh, as is predicted in the book of Revelation, um, it's, it's going to be different. And uh, I'm just saying we're coming to changes, but whether we want that or not and go with that, it depends. But I believe there's an opportunity for, for Bible understanding and believing people to uh, have an out somehow. Okay, so you're taking, like, there are parts of that Bible that are just real true wisdom. Other parts have been manipulated, which, you you know, we talked about earlier. Um, tell us a little bit about this, you know, going from 13 months to 12 months. Or, like, why would the papacy want to manipulate that piece? Well, you know, uh, I would just say that the Bible is a complex picture, and familiarity with it all is better than just a few uh sage advices from the proverbs and 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 so on uh god it's his love letter to us and familiarity with it i'll give you some examples from the wedding parables which offer you know in in, in this country to the motivational speakers talk about two things that are uh, uh high high reward or fear of loss and in uh, 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 or danger or whipping you know well the wedding parable of luke 12 has both of them. He will make us ruler over all that he has. And since my last name is Ruling, I wanted to understand that. I really studied <laughs> it, and I could see a, a, a depth there that isn't just, uh, you know, uh, simple words. For example, um, I was taught years ago that there is a rule of first use. Where a word or phrase is first found, it often has a meaning or context for the end time, because Christ is Alpha and Omega, first and last. And so the point is that uh, in the wedding parable, uh, you know, and you're familiar with Matthew 25, the ten virgins went to sleep, but when they woke up, there was a cry, the bridegroom comes. It was a cry at midnight. Well, uh, it, it, that sounds simple and easy, but if you consider the fact that in the Bible there was a cry at midnight in Egypt, when death fell on the Egyptians, there was a, a cry and, and, uh, at midnight. And the point is that... that the event that's coming up is not just going to be shouting out of the sky, the bridegroom's coming. There's going to be a serious bad event that, that uh, wakes us up, okay? And uh, this is, uh, every, this, my opinion is, from my study, and by comparing scriptures, is that it will be a huge earthquake that shakes the whole world, okay? And uh, I get to that from the, uh, uh, the other wedding parable of Luke 12:36 that says, when he comes and knocks, we must open immediately. Now, this is a wedding parable, and he's going to knock. Uh, it's not just a cry at midnight, but what's the knock? The Christ only uh, two places in the New Testament knocks. It's in that wedding parable of Luke 12:36. but evangelicals know it as I stand at the door and knock. He's outside knocking at the door. Well, we think that's a nice meaning, is gentle Jesus always knocking. But the point is we're forgetting history, that that church, lukewarm uh, Laodicea in Asia Minor, in 63 A.D., it ended in an earthquake. Serious knock, okay? It, 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 it was the end of that city. Uh, they rebuilt it later, but my point is that, that the knock could have a severe meaning, just like uh, the cry at midnight. And, and, and then in, in the wedding parable of Matthew 22, the city burns. Well, when San Francisco had an earthquake, it burned. It more damage from fire than from the earthquake. So all three wedding parables have a potential serious event, 
and and none of them could you just wait and see and be ready. You had to be ready and know what you're going to do before it happens. And so I'm saying, like Abraham Lincoln, I will study and get ready. Someday my chance will come. And I'm saying we're going to get our chance, and we won't, we have less than three years, in my opinion, to study and understand it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and uh, you know, as far as people, like, preparing, like, on my end of the spectrum, you know, uh, you know, we I prepare as far as consciousness. And then sometimes, you know, God will give me guidance of, okay, do this or do that or that kind of thing. It comes from a place of peace. It comes from a place of love, not from a place of fear. And um, there's a there's a video on your website, and I remember someone passing this on to me in Messenger of a, of a preacher or, a, you know, a, a, a you know, um, uh, pastor. I'm not really sure what his title is. And he's talking about, um, you know, he had these prophetic dreams. And was right. hearing the words "brace yourself," right, and then talking about November right. near the election time of yes. "brace yourself." And I asked God about that. Now that, that you may, we may disagree on this point, but <laughs> so I was asking God okay. about that. What is that about? So, and and this is what I got. Again, it could be filtered through my own, you know, biases and opinions, but I got that um, that reality that's happening and uh, is based in a ref, uh, reflection or mirror of the consciousness of that pastor at that time and that reality is flexible based on our collective consciousness so even though it's like you know this seeming prophetic oh my god it's going to be horrible something massive is going to happen in november it's going to be horrible and then people could brace from fear about okay what are we going to do i'd be like uh let's not brace let's actually prepare (laughs) you know whether that be on a consciousness level changing the quantum reality level or if somebody is guided to, you know, store food, I mean, whatever, you know. But anyway, so yeah. I kind of was like, yeah, I get his perspective, and yet I'm like, okay, I'm not saying that this is going to happen for sure, but the whole brace yourself was like a limited perspective of, to me, the bigger picture. So curious what you thought. I, I, I'm with you somewhat that uh, we need better preparation, but uh, the preparation that I see we need it goes beyond just uh, uh, having some cans of food or uh, a bag of rice uh, and beans that we can cook up and so on, uh, which might be prudent, and, and my wife does that. But uh, I see that we, we the preparation that's needed as much as anything is an understanding of the Word of God, because God has a plan, and I believe that we want to be... Uh, uh, the the wise virgins got into a wedding. They became, in a sense, the, the bride of Christ, the church. Uh, not not. As, and by the way, uh, the wedding parables also suggest not to listen to the ministers. Okay, and that's shocking. But the point is that 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 uh, in in that wedding parable, the ten virgins, uh, when when five don't have oil, and they they go to them that sell oil. Uh, the ministers are the ones that sell oil. They distill the oil from the olive trees and, and give the sermons, that, you know, this is what I learned from the Bible and so on. They are selling oil. They're, they're the merchants. But the people that go to them, the five foolish, arrive at the wedding too late. Uh, they're, they're not, and the, and the ministers are not at the wedding. They're, they're <laughs> if you follow what I'm saying, that imagery is not yeah. good, and it's also supported in Matthew 22. When a man without a wedding garment is thrown out of, of, of the king comes in, but he throws out a man without a wedding garment, the, the reason uh, is that that's bad news is because in, in the uh, Laodicean church in Revelation 3, uh, 
It is not ad- the, the, that letter is not addressed to the church. It's addressed to the agalos, the messenger to the church. Angels are messengers, and so the translation is bad when it says to the angel of the church. Why? Because it says you are blind and naked. Well, angels are not blind and naked. It's the pastors of the churches that are blind and naked, and naked without truth. In other words, the loins are not girded with truth. And so pastors today, it's superficial. They, they don't get it. They don't understand uh, the parallel which is really, uh, you know, Luke's wedding parable has some of the same injury. There's going to be a knock. You're supposed to open. You have to have your lights burning so you can see. In Revelation, you have to have ISAP so you can see. In, in Luke 12, you have your loins girded. In Revelation, it says have white raiment. Same idea, same idea, same idea. And, and, the, and the reward is very similar. In Luke 12, you get to be ruler over all that he has. And I want to be that. But in, in Revelation, it's sit with me on my throne. Sitting on the throne is similar to being ruler. So the parallels, we're just not seeing it. We just gloss over it. But the point is that the pastors are blind and naked, and they're the ones that are thrown out of the wedding. So in in Matthew 22, verse uh, 10 or 11, something like that. So the 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 issue is uh, don't go to your pastor. Study for yourself, and uh, I, I would say the, the materials I have to send uh, might be of interest to people that uh, want to go uh, the second level or next level. Ten dollar donation. We do that every day with a pizza. You know, ten dollars, not too much. So I would just say, uh, and I'll send you a copy of my book. It was too too quick, or did I send you a book? I, I don't remember. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'm send on you. your website my now, gift. so I'm just. Going to be donating My gift after, to you. Uh, I, I, I'll send it to you <laughs> along with the DVD oh. that you you'll enjoy. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you know, one of the things that you said that really resonate with me is you know, we talked about that knock on the door because I'm constantly using that analogy. And when I was really really sick, what I told people was that um, I was not listening to the knock. Uh, the knock was coming and saying, <clears throat> "Hello." Um, you're not on the right path, okay? You know, and the knock would get louder and louder and louder, and then finally, you know, I, I call it the angelic two-by-four. They're like, okay, get the two-by-four out. Karen is not listening, okay? She's going a mile a minute. She's not listening, you know? And so I, I got really, really sick, but it's the best thing at that point that ever could have happened to me because I learned so much. I was able to share and, and be able to help other people from it, so I bless every moment of it uh, but I you know I joke a little bit about it that I wasn't listening to that knock on the door and I wasn't ready but, and like I said the candle wasn't on you know what I mean I, wasn't. But, <laughs> I, I, I caught something from what you said about hypersensitivity or sensitivity to things uh, I while I was teaching at Loma Linda I got headaches and I couldn't figure it out. Uh, I couldn't see a relationship to anything I ate. I even went to a neurologist who taught medical students across the campus. I said, is anything I eat or drink the cause of my headaches? He said, that would be very rare for my type of headache. I later learned he didn't know what he was talking about. When I left the university, I went into practice with five other doctors, and one was an allergist. And people drove hundreds of miles to see this guy. And so one day I asked him, I said, how many people with headaches can you help? Oh, he said about 9 out of 10. I said, test me. <laughs> and he did. And he told me I was allergic to wheat or gluten, or oats, peanut butter, love peanut butter. And when I ate them, I didn't get a headache. But when I left them out, I didn't have any more headaches. And the way it works is that if you become allergic to a food, your body builds up a tolerance like to nicotine. And when people smoke, they don't get sick. But they get sick if they don't smoke, and they go through withdrawal, they feel the symptoms. And that's the way a lot of food allergies work. And I had 
um, probably been abusing the grains. I love granolas and whole wheat sandwiches. My wife knew if I didn't have two sandwiches a day, I didn't feel filled up. But um, on the weekend, she'd say, oh, you get bread every day. We're having something different on Saturday and Sunday. And I worked outside, fresh air, sunshine, exercise, feeling great. The better I felt Sunday, the worse I would feel Monday morning with a headache. And I couldn't figure it out, you know, because I'd been doing all the right stuff, except I was going through a withdrawal to the wheat that I got two sandwiches every day, Monday through Friday. And so for me... Uh, I'm, I'm just telling your audience how they can sort, you know, hypersensitivity to some things. And, and life is that way, too. We we, uh, we get addicted to certain things and ways. But, uh, you know, uh, we can change and make a choice. And uh, I've, I've lived well the last uh, 50 years plus, maybe 60. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and absolutely, the people that are highly sensitive that I, you know, coach and mentor and teach um, – you know, I, I, my observation is that these highly sensitive people are sensitive to all sorts of things and frequencies and vibrations, and so they're sensitive to electromagnetic frequencies or have multiple chemical sensitivities. They're definitely sensitive to gluten and glyphosate, GMO foods, and, and I'm thinking, you know, this is actually a gift <laughs> in a way, you know, because these things are disharmonious to our energy systems and our body, and some people are completely oblivious you know, to them, but yeah. highly sensitive people are not. And so they, they, they're like the, I hate the analogy, but the canary in the coal mine. You know, they're Let like, me give you hey, another hey, hey, example. Not good. Sure. Let me give you another example of uh, uh, I'm seeing that, that health is multifactorial. It is uh, sunshine, exercise, sleep, uh, water drinking, attitudes in the mind, but food in the body as well. You know? And the point is that uh, uh, with high blood pressure, pretty can got people off of uh, – their drugs for blood pressure with a low-fat diet, but low salt, no caffeine, no alcohol, uh, you know, and, and when you exercise, you get sleep, and, and so it's a, a total pattern. But uh, the, uh, the point is that, that uh, why to, I mean, COVID may be multifactorial with multiple things impacting. Uh, it came from Wuhan, where uh, people originated near the, the wet market, where people can get uh, bats, cats, rats to eat. You know, well, I don't, you know, that's not what I would be choosing. Uh, but biblically, that's unclean stuff, you know. And uh, uh, the some of the people in Wuhan risked their lives to protest the air pollution. Uh, in a communist government, you don't protest, you just uh, keep quiet. But th they did because the air pollution was so bad. And then... It's a premier city for 5G, to roll out 5G for the cell phone stuff. And so, you know, mo and I'm, I'm hearing uh, other other people speaking, even from last fall, I went to an expo near Nevada, and a couple of the speakers uh, against uh, 5G because of the health effects. And so, uh, you know, it, it can be a virus, yes, but a vaccination is not the whole answer, and I don't think it's any, any answer I want. Uh, you know, uh, Bill Gates wants... Uh, population reduction, depopulation, and I don't want his vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that uh, that way of, of treating it. I think it's uh, just on the surface. Like I said, it's a, I'm a big picture person. And, and, of course, as a holistic doctor and acupuncturist and energy healer, um, definitely uh, different strategies, although, of course, I respect those that want to choose for themselves because that's the whole point of freedom, right, to be able to choose, yes. uh, which is very, very important. Now, you said that medical care is the leading cause of death and, and it's a ripoff. So can you please share? What do you mean by that? 
Okay. Medical literature supports what you just said and what I said, and that is that uh, JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association, on tax day, April 15, 1998, reported 106,000 deaths uh, from adverse drug reactions in hospitals. Now, the definition in that article of an adverse drug reaction was medicine properly prescribed and administered. It was not an overdose. It was not a bad prescription or a malpractice type of thing. It was just people just react strangely, oddly, okay? And by the way, I can, I can help you believe and understand that better because I myself, um, my wife uh, 12 years ago, uh, had a, or 11, had a uh, bladder infection, went to her doctor, got a prescription for Cipro. I have prescribed it on occasion, though it wasn't my favorite. And uh, it t took care of her infection in two to three days. She was fine, quit the medicine. But months later, she got spots under her skin. And she went to her doctor again, did a blood test. He called urgently the next morning, referring her to a hematologist. She had no platelets in her bone marrow. He did a oh bone marrow, to, and so he, he, he did, to, did a splenectomy, uh, still no problem. She, he treated her with high steroids, gamma globulin, blood transfusions, in and out of hospitals, died of a stroke. And uh, you think, oh, it oh, always happens to the other guy. Well, it happened to me, okay? And oh. I'm happily remarried in Arizona now. From I was living in Maryland at the time. But um, uh, I, I think that the people do, do not realize the, the risk that's theirs, and when they get on one prescription, which really doesn't cure the thing, it just controls the blood pressure or the cholesterol or the blood sugar. And by the way, the, the UGDP study, which was when I was taking medical residency in 1970-71, it was just reported uh, 10 university centers with diabetes take, get, treat, testing the most common drugs, oranase and diabinase, uh, for diabetes had double the risk of death from cardiovascular events compared to people who had a placebo, did not get any drug. And uh, the name of the game has changed with different drugs, different, you know, we got uh, Avandia and this and that and the others. But uh, same, eat right, eat right. You can do that, you know, and you don't have the risk. And right now we got a lady in our home who, who she was in a nursing home, Alta Vista, called to say, they're killing me, please take me. And uh um, she had blood sugars over 300 on a dozen pills a day, different, not all for diabetes, but now she's on no drugs and her blood wow. sugar is half of what it was there. And, uh, it's just what you eat basically, you know, and, uh, she exercises a little bit, not much. She's in her eighties, but, uh, I just say people can do it if they will take responsibility for their own health care. And, uh, what we put in our mouth, you know, most people, if they were born normal, yeah, 97% are, or used to be anyway, until uh, so many vaccinations that people get aut autism. Uh, you know, out of 20, 25 people, one boy will get autism probably. So, uh, and I, I heard a guy online, uh, a pediatrician, who uh, had a group medical practice with 35,000 patients, and he said that autism used to be 1 in 10,000, then 1 in 1,000, then 1 in 100, and now it's 1 in 50, he was saying that, I, I think. Uh, but now it's, uh, for boy boy babies, it's 1 in 25, close to it. And uh, he, didn't, he said, we have no autism. They don't vaccinate. And the other ingredients, uh, not good in, in the vaccines, in my opinion. The preservative, mercury preservative. 
Uh, I would want, why don't they, if they, if they want real safety, let them but see the autism, then you need to see the doctor again for, for this symptom and that. It's, it's a boon for the medical profession to have people with autism and then to be, you know, not dying, but uh, come back for uh, uh, tranquilizers, et cetera. It's a, yeah, it's well, a, it's that's a bad. Doctors definitely getting, uh, you know, a bad rap on, on these kinds of things and, uh, you know, prescribing pills and things like that. That's, that's what we were taught. Um, we, I think uh, the average medical school spends maybe two hours or two days max on nutrition. And uh, honestly, my nutrition professor was my biochemistry professor, and I didn't like him very much. <laughs> so I think yeah. I tuned him out. Well, and and uh, they, they don't really know that much about it themselves. It's, uh, I got, you know, yeah. uh, it was published in medical literature. The average um, uh, medical student gets four hours, like one afternoon to get, you know. So, right. uh, yeah. Uh, Low. Not much, but, but and the overall trend is that uh, while they're in practice, the drug companies come and, and provide free lunches every meal to hear about the latest yep. and the greatest while you're uh, in, in practice uh, at noon, one or two days a week anyway. Uh, they, they provide the free lunches for the doctors to, to try this new pill or that new drug. And uh, yep. bad that situation. Yeah, I mean, I really thought that I wasn't going to be um, – changed by that you know they would give free lunch to my staff um you know after i realized i would get sleepy after every pizza i said okay chinese food please not pizza because i need to stay awake for the rest of the day (laughs) you know and i thought this was great until i realized that you know one of the other drug reps would come in they always and then this was really suspicious um uh, where we where at my first practice uh there was a, a guy a pa who led that area and then i became you know the the head physician there and uh, they, all the drug reps were these beautiful, gorgeous women. When I started going there, they changed them. So they knew what day I was going to be there, and they changed these guys to men, assuming I was heterosexual, which <laughs> I am. And they're good-looking men. And I was, like, getting kind of suspicious. I'm like, whoa, what happened to the other drug rep? You know, the cute girl, you know? And, it's, and, yeah. and they, they weren't going to tell me, like, oh, well, Peter wasn't working that day, so we sent this other guy, right? But they were like, oh, we noticed your prescriptions for this, um, that you're prescribing more of this drug from the pharmacy than this one. And I'm thinking, they're tracking that? You know? How do they know that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they go to the, the pharmacy, right? They can tell, you know, and, and so they give me more free drugs and more freebies, and, and, you know, and I always give them a hard time, you know, and I'd be like, okay, give me the data, give me the evidence, give me the paper, you know, and, you know, I'd give them a really hard time. And uh, so I wasn't as fun to, to be around, I'm sure, but um, it did affect my prescription because I felt like, wow, these people are giving such – you know, freebies to my patients, I can't afford it, you know, so I felt this, like, gratitude, and I think I more likely prescribed that one, because they were in my face, you know, they, they were talking to me, they were nice people, they were, you know, giving me gifts, uh, my patients' gifts, anyway, um, and, and so, yeah, I would more likely prescribe that, but there was, there was no incentive in medical school to teach us about proper nutrition, and the lifestyle was very, very simple, so, like, eat right, sleep enough, exercise end of story that was it that was all we were taught let me share with you something that is i think significant i taught in the school of public health at loma linda under a uh, a real teacher he, he taught in the anatomy department but when the school needed someone in pharmacology 
They sent him, and he got his Ph.D. in pharmacology at Stanford, and then later became uh, he went to Harvard for his doctor of public health and was dean of the School of Public Health. The point is, though, when I went through medical school, he was he was uh, in pharmacology. He was the chairman of the pharmacology. But later, I worked for him in the School of Public Health. He was the dean, and when he. Uh, heard I was going to be doing health programming, he shared a statement from a textbook of pharmacology, because he, he, he had been a PhD of pharmacology, and he knew this uh, Drill's textbook of pharmacology and medicine, fifth, fifth chapter, mechanisms of drug action. I'm going to quote it to you. It says, uh, uh, every drug is by definition of, of uh, a poison. Pharmacology and toxicology are one, and the art of medicine is to use these poisons beneficially. And it also said, uh, the sentence before that was that uh, um, uh, drug action always represents artificial interference with the natural functioning of the organism. You know, in other words, uh, if your body ordinarily uh, retains some sodium, uh, a drug will, a water pill will affect the kidneys, so you can't retain the sodium, but it also loses the potassium, and it goes out the kidneys. The point is that that, that na nature will cure. Hippocrates said so. Nature cures. Let your food be your medicine. But modern medicine comes along with uh, artificial interference with nature to affect what they think is good when they can't really do it with the chemicals. We should do it with the food. And the point is that every every chemical is a, is basically a poison. The body regards it that way. And sooner or later, we're shooting ourselves in the foot, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and symptom relief, you know. Um, yeah. I know this is going to be kind of a, well, a, car, a controversial uh, uh, question. But uh, share with us your perspectives on our current uh, cancer treatments in this country. Well, uh my favorite author says it's better to prevent a disease than to cure. And uh, Colin Campbell, um, head of nutrition at Cornell, um, did the China study in collaboration with Oxford University. And he came to my medical school two or three years ago for alumni meetings and spoke. And uh, he came from a, a dairy farm. And um, I don't remember where he was, but, but he wanted to prove that uh, good dairy is, is good protein and, and so on. But he was shocked to find in their China study, which he helped to initiate, that it was to the contrary. Casein helped turn cancer on, and without it, it helps turn cancer off. And so basically, uh, animal products, uh, his, his term, four words, plant-based whole food. And I'm, that's not about the grocery market whole food. It's it's uh, if you uh, take corn oil, you, that's not a whole food. That's that, you, you throw away 12 years of corn and the fiber and the vitamins and minerals to get one tablespoon of corn oil. We love the corn oil in the dressing. It tastes rich, but uh, basically uh, we're losing a lot of nutrients. Eat all the corn you like, all the soy and so on. Olives are great. Avocados good. It's high in fat. Um, but we shouldn't have to fry our foods and so on, which we become accustomed to, basically. And, uh, and addictive. Now, uh, it's interesting yeah. with the Colin Campbell thing, because, you know, you may know this um, book, and uh, I was, it was talking about uh, uh, wheat belly, okay, Dr. Uh, Davis, I believe. Uh, so wheat belly, um, there is a, a gal who is a blogger um, who was on a raw food diet for a long time, uh, ended up with some adrenal fatigue, got sick, and uh, stopped eating raw food. But she loves, loves, loves data. Not me so much, but she loves data. So she actually took uh, Colin Campbell's uh, uh, data from the China study, recrunched them, and realized that if you took wheat out of 
the equation that actually eating meat was more protective than eating plants. So I thought that was fascinating. Um, and I think it depends on who's doing the study, what their original thoughts and beliefs are, and maybe the results are different based on who interprets it. I think you're right. And my favorite author, who, by the way, uh, founded Loma Linda, uh, she uh, wanted a school to train natural remedies, not drugs. And uh, when they came down to the day that they, uh, Loma Linda was the, the deadline for the deposit, the church leaders had, this was Seventh-day Adventist, they had not one dollar. But the postman arrived and laid a letter on the table with a check from Ellen White, the founder, with a check for $5,000 mailed a month earlier from New Jersey. And it was to be her school to treat, teach laymen on natural remedies and, and foods. Well, the AMA comes along and they said, you know, if you would just teach pharmacology, you could uh, you could be accredited. And, uh, oh, they wanted that. Well, she said no. She told them no twice, but on the third visit, she would not even see them to discuss it. And they reported to the committee that she didn't say no. They hijacked her school. It became a regular uh -huh. medical school. I was cheated, basically, uh, as I understand it now in retrospect. I thought it was good, you know, but I thought she would approve of everything that was being done there. But no. Uh, and bottom line, uh, I, uh, Loma Linda has a good record. Uh, it was featured in the National Geographic cover story for longevity because people live longer there. And Seventh-day Adventists live an average of seven years longer. NIH gave my school $40 million for a study to learn why Seventh-day Adventists live about seven years longer than other non-smoking groups. Well, I could, I, I could have saved them some money. It was the writings of the author who was reviewed by Clive McKay, Cornell University, head of nutrition back then, 50 years ago. He said there's no better overall guide than her writings. Well, uh, she says, really, that people are continually eating foods, uh, uh, flesh, with cancerous germs. And in, I, I just talked with a guy from Omaha two days ago who, uh, I, when I found out he was from Omaha, I remember seeing a newspaper article printed by the Omaha newspaper saying the new rules are that uh, uh, every six seconds a carcass can pass a, a U.S. government, uh, Department of Agriculture inspector and get the stamp, U.S. Department inspected and the U.S. Department inspected. Every six seconds a cow goes past and on a conveyor belt with mirrors on the other side and you just hope the mirror isn't so fogged up so you can't see the other side of what's there. Well, I did an executive physical. It took me an hour to, to examine that guy, and then we did blood tests and everything else. And you still, I missed a guy with uh, kidney cancer. Uh, you're not supposed to normally feel the kidney anyway when you do an abdominal exam. Right. And, and, his, and his urinalysis did not show any blood. But a few months later, he passed some blood in his urine, and the next year he wanted to see, what did my, my study show? Well, it didn't show any blood. So I was, I was innocent, you know, but uh, he had cancer. And the point is that how do you, today, when we can feed manure and other things, hormones, antibiotics to the cattle until they fatten up, uh, and then we, we want to pass them by the inspection uh, at six carcasses uh, every, every six seconds. I mean, one carcass every six seconds. I, you know, I don't think so. I think my favorite author, that people are eating carcasses that, that they don't really know what they're eating. And uh, I think uh, I would side with the, then uh, uh, Colin Campbell, rather than the lady that did the study and got rid of wheat. Wheat is bad for some people. Wheat is good for other people. You know, if you abuse it, uh, you know, not everybody can eat the gluten, but some can and do well. 
but uh, uh, yes, I think it's how you do the study, and I think that meat is a danger for lots of people, not just the cancer, but cardiovascular as well. In Leviticus 3, third chapter, verse 17, it says, eat neither the fat nor the blood. Well, uh, it's the fat and the blood that makes it tasty, okay? And, uh, you know, hamburger, I used to fry my own hamburgers, uh, you know, loved it, and, uh, and eggs, uh, you know, for breakfast. But in college, I became exposed to different information, and I became a vegetarian, and I've done well. And I'm, I'll be 79 next year, and I'm doing great. You know, I don't see anything coming for me. But I wouldn't trade my health for all the pills in, in uh, pharma or uh, China. Mm. Well, we can definitely agree that the quality of the meat is uh, very, very um, toxic, you know, in, in the country, especially the way they treat these animals. Uh, not only yes, is there exactly. you know, cancer t- chemicals, uh, you know, GMO corn, which is just shown to cause all sorts of lesions, you know, uh, or even tumors, you know, in in these animals, and that is if you're if somebody is an animal eater or you know chooses to to do that, that that you know definitely get a better source for it, like organic local farms, you know, that kind of thing. So none of us are saying, you know, just go out to your grocery store and get whatever meat you want, no matter what they're showing with the keto diet or, you know, potential improvements in cancer. And I mean, every diet, there's probably a positive study, <laughs> you know, to support yeah. that particular diet. I mean, whether it be Dean Ornish's diet or the Atkins diet or the Pritikin diet or the keto diet, I mean, there's always, you know, a for and against for each of these things. Now, now you one of my patients... You mentioned a, a couple names that I would like to comment on, Pritikin sure. uh, versus uh, the. Um, Ornish. Well, what was the? Who, who was the other guy that Atkins. you said? Atkins. Atkins. Yes, Atkins sued Pritikin for uh, a, saying that his uh, his uh, diet. Pritikin said that Atkins diet caused cancer. Well, I think maybe it did, <laughs> I, and I, I think that I, I don't think Pritikin had to pay any big bucks. Uh, because of that, because I, I think that the information is supportive. And by the way, you asked me some time ago about how is medical care the leading cause of death. I just mentioned one medical care, one medical journal. It was um, uh, Journal of American Medical Association in hospitals, 106. Two years later, Western Journal of Medicine, outside the hospital, outpatients, 199,000. If you put them together, inpatient and outpatient, it's uh, 305. That makes medical care the third leading cause of death behind heart and cancer. But then uh, in two, uh, uh, there was a seven-year study from 1998 to 2005 reported in the archives of internal medicine, and uh, the death rates from drugs increased 2.7-fold. And if you multiply 305,000 by 2.7, you get 824,000 deaths, and medical care is number one in terms of drugs, adverse drug reactions as a cause of death. And not to mention, for every every person that dies, there's over 100 who got sick and who went to the doctor. Some of them are admitted, you know, 16 million admitted to the hospital, 4 million admitted to at, at long-term care units. These people are messed up for life, you know, if they're going into a nursing home, you know. And uh, these are people that many of them were in the prime of their life. So, you know, not good, not good. And uh, the Bible is ahead of us on all of it. Because uh, in Revelation 18th chapter, there's a call to come out of Babylon, which I believe is the word means confusion. 
and uh, yeah. the systems of uh, medicine, education, religion, and government are all confused today. But it says in verse 23, for by her sorceries were all nations deceived. And the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia. Greek word, pharmakia, deceives the nations. And that every, every nation practicing Western medicine is spending millions in the late stages, you know, you go into intensive care, you, you can extend your life a few weeks or months, yes, fine. But if you have the healthy habits, you can do it 11 years. You'll live 11 years longer with seven simple health habits. Why wait to the end and hope to, uh, for 11 weeks, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, one of my patients said that, because um, I was trying to encourage him, this was years ago, to not drink so much. I really felt it was excessive. He already had some signs of maybe er, you know, early Wernicke's. Uh, and, um, you know, he said to me, because he, he's, he's, he's Catholic, uh, he said to me, well, Jesus drinks. And I was like, shoot. <laughs> And he's like, well, oh, they didn't, they, in the Bible, they didn't have a different word for grape juice than wine. It was all vino, but it wasn't from, it didn't, it didn't have to be. I, I explained to people, why would Christ choose a symbol of fermentation with alcohol? Alcohol is really the wee-wee or urine of the bacteria. It's the excreta of bacteria. And I wouldn't want that to represent my blood, and I don't think it was for his. I, I don't think it was fermented. Uh, they they can read. That's another example of bad translation. You know, in in my opinion, it's uh, his his blood is pure, and uh, I don't think it was fermented that they they uh, had it at that time. So you don't think it was really wine? No, I I I do not think so. It, it says wine, but they didn't have a separate word for grape juice, and uh, probably uh, you, you see the, the, it was a Passover time in the spring. The grapes hadn't harvested yet, uh, really, but they reconstituted. I asked a professor, a doctor degree from Oxford University, and he said it was reconstituted from raisins. They would soak them. So huh, anyway, you know, you, yeah, sweet water. Yeah, that's. That's interesting. Uh, what about the no. whole meat thing? People say, well, you know, Jesus, you know, created all this fish, you know, that, that was that yeah. famous story. Uh, so he eats meat. Uh, so any, any, you know, biblical, you know, uh, okay. concepts related to that? Yeah. Uh, first of all, um, uh, three times a year they went down to Jerusalem. Uh, for Pentecost it was just one day, but for Passover it was a whole week. And for Feast of Tabernacles in the fall, it was a whole week. And they had sacrifices. They would sacrifice a lamb, and I believe they, they called it a feast. Uh, uh, you know, at, at, and, and Christ had the Passover lamb at, at, at that time. And in the fall, Passover lamb. But, uh, and, but the, the laws for inspection, like don't eat, uh, they were to carefully examine it, and there was to be no fat or blood. I, I don't think they killed their, you know, when, when the prodigal uh, came home, the dad said, Kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate. Well, I think they didn't do that every day. I think it was a big celebration for his return after he'd been gone a, a year or so. You know, and my my point is that uh, it was not an meat was not an everyday thing. It was for those times they went down to Jerusalem. They had a lamb, etc. But it wasn't their usual lifestyle. Uh, and and I think that that uh, we should understand that. But today, uh, you know, what's for dinner? Well, if it isn't a hamburger or something like that, we don't think we're nourished. Well, in reality, a cup of cooked greens has more and higher quality protein than a cup of hamburger, and uh, you know, or or milk for that matter. 
so I, I think that uh, nutritionally we are on the short end, and we uh, the U.S. Dairy Association has given us these dairy charts where if you don't have the meat group and the milk group and cheese group, uh, you, you know you don't feel like you're. You, you, the, the, we need a new fo- uh, four four food groups. You know, fruits, nuts, grains, vegetables. Uh, those are the protective foods, and uh, people that eat that way do better than those with the meat and the cheese. Um, you know, I was just uh, looking at uh, the Bulletproof guy, Dave Asprey, his uh, Instagram, and he talks about toxins in plants. He says plants are there to protect themselves as well. You know, there's phytic acid, there's lectins. Uh, don't think that, you know, every plant is without, you know, its health issues. Um, and some people say, well, rods better because there's more energy shown in curly and photography. And other nutritionists say, yeah, it's great for the plant, but doesn't mean you can extract that energy unless you cook it. So there's all these different, you know, different opinions of that. So, you know, Dave's point is that you think, plant, you know, plant-based diet or plants are the healthiest. It may not be. And so just curious well, if you saw that. I would just say uh, that, that Loma Linda, my school, got $40 million because the community lived seven years longer than other non-smoking groups. And I think I've seen enough. Uh, I'll give you an example. The woman that founded it also saw 9-11. She she was visiting New York City. She saw tall buildings warned to be fireproof. She said these buildings were consumed as if made of pitch. The fire engines could do nothing to stay the destruction. Well, I believe she got her information from God. She herself only had a third-grade education. But she wrote uh, classical books in the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Her book, Desire of Ages on the Life of Christ, was the one most recommended for many years. They don't recommend anyone now. They just give you a list. But uh, hers was most recommended. And my point is that uh, uh, I believe she was inspired. I've lived well my life. And uh, when she says that that, uh, meat is a a problem because of the disease in the animals, uh, that people don't know what you're eating, uh, I think that, uh, you know, if a person, you know, I enjoy it. My wife uh, fixes fish once a week or something like that. I, I enjoy it. But overall, I'm saying that uh, we overdo uh, that and plant-based, that's, that was the original diet in the Bible. God says of all these trees, you know, uh, those things that have fruits and seeds and nuts, uh, you may freely eat. But meat was not added to the diet, the human diet, given permission until after the flood. When they came out of the ark, there was nothing growing. There had been a big flood. And so they were given permission, and man's life shortened from uh, nearly a 1,000 years. The oldest man who had ever lived was 967, and yet uh, Methuselah. But uh, man's life shortened down to uh, around 175. Abraham lived, and uh, uh, Moses lived 120. And uh, David wrote uh, three score and ten, and maybe by chance four score, which is 80 years. And that's what it is today. If, if you live, uh, it was lower than that uh, 100 years ago when uh, diphtheria and uh, smallpox and different uh, childhood diseases, whooping cough, uh, killed them. But uh, if you, and so they vaccinated to stop those childhood diseases. But a man uh, 100 years ago, if he was, if he lived to 50. He would live uh, has a similar life expectancy to us at our time now. In other words, it's about three score and ten or four score. You know, uh, I'm 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 confident I'm going to do better than that because I'm I don't see any problem coming at uh, going on 79. But uh, I just say overall, uh, it, what we eat is important, and the original diet given to man in the Bible is uh, is probably the best way to get it without uh, the objectionable disease factors. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a and, lot of oh, let me say this: the, the, the tobacco, 
tobacco is a poison. There are poisonous plants. You know, not every plant, but uh, you know, you, we need some common sense of what we will eat. And, and it, the, the, I was taught in medical school that two handfuls of grain and one handful of of uh, legume or bean or pea is a balanced protein. And so, uh, poor people, uh, they don't have to kill their only cow to get the protein, uh, or even uh, have a cow to milk. If they just grow their uh, the beans and potatoes or something like that, they'll, they'll get it. It seems to me that if someone was going to, um, uh, let's just say, prepare uh, for an apocalypse, um, food-wise, it would seem to me that I'm not talking about necessarily about you know our different differing or if any you know perspectives of you know what's healthy nutrition because I believe you know that each person's individual. It's a kind of an ancient Chinese tradition thing to to go that way, but that it would it would be so much easier to sustain people by eating bone broth and fat than it would be to try to store and eat grains and beans and things like that because their blood sugar and insulin would spike and then they would get hungry again. If you don't have enough fat, you get hungry again. <laughs> so so and I'm not saying that, you know, people should store bacon fat or whatever, but I'm like in a pinch you know, if I had a choice of what was going to sustain me in, in an apocalypse, I would choose the bacon fat. Well, you're certainly welcome to do whatever you want. Uh, I personally, uh, uh, I do see that in, in, in the grains, even, if, for instance, if you look at a food chart, even lettuce has 11% of its calories from fat. Now, there's not a lot of fat in lettuce, of course, but 11% of it, every food naturally grown has some fat in it. Nuts have a higher percentage, and uh, avocado or olives, uh, yes, and, and they, they grew olives. Uh, you know, Christ went to the olive grove to pray. Yeah, they did that. Oh, uh, olives were good. But uh, I would just say uh, the, 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 the bacon fat, um, actually, uh, in, in the Bible, that wouldn't be a, a choice, really. Uh, both Jews and Muslims uh, know that it's, uh, the, the, the pig is an abomination. It is an unclean, considered unclean, basically. And uh, I, I would just say, um, you know, keep reading. Let's study. I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I just say, uh, we. Uh, in, in th- the Bible says, in times of ignorance, man winks at it, or God winks at it rather. And I think that he, he does a lot of winking because we've, we've been ignorant about a lot of things. But uh, time is coming when uh, we maybe can do better if we study and read and, and uh, let everybody make those choices for themselves. But I think uh, the guidebook that he gave us is pretty good basically, and I was taught in medical school that Moses wrote the first comprehensive health code. It even has uh, about quarantine, but we back, we did it backwards in this country. Instead of quarantining the sick people, we quarantined everybody at home. Ah, bad idea, and that's ruined the economy, and it really hasn't been yeah. that protective from a virus that was really only 1% fatal, less than 1%. Stupid. They're just trying to grab control, and uh, I think we should resist that and live well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's uh, if people are like, oh, revenge, you know. I think the best, people say the best revenge is to live a life well, you know, be joyful, be happy, you know, spread that love, do what you can. And um, I did want to address that uh, there was this the interesting uh, blood um, study. It was actually dark field microscopy where they were looking at um, you know red blood cells, and if it would clump up, that's a bad sign, you know. And uh, they actually tested. This was actually published in. Um, 
you know, a Weston A. Price journal. Now, of course, they're more, you know, pro-meat, et cetera, but, of course, not the commercial meat. And what was really interesting is they took a marinated and non-marinated pork, and with non-marinated pork, you see the blood clumping. It is actually bad for you. You know, like, you know, like in the Bible, you know, they talk about that. Um, and I thought that was fascinating that the marinated pork, there was no difference. And these were, of course, people that were very healthy and, you know, they, they took their blood samples before uh, to show that they were healthy to begin with. And uh, maybe it was based on belief, too, you know, um, that uh, if they believed that unmarinated pork was bad for them, maybe that's why their blood clumped. I suppose you could argue, you know, that piece. Um, speaking of the the uh, eating the weird and wonderful things that people are telling me in terms of, you know, people that come from outer space. Uh, you know, people that are not originally human tell us that we are evolving our bodies and that we will not need to eat meat. And uh, um, and what I noticed in myself is that there was a time when I was very sick that it was absolutely necessary to replete the body that way. And in Chinese medicine, you know, if someone's very anemic and, you know, low adrenals, things like that, they would definitely prescribe you know, red meat. However, as people become healthier and healthier, um, that if you didn't already suffer that incredible, you know, stress to the body, that uh, there's a lot of people who are evolving. I, I believe that we're going to be evolving uh, more to that place. So I'm not going to say people should be vegan or whatever, but I believe that we're evolving as humans. Uh, well, evolution has, uh, there's microevolution on small changes within a genesis kind. I, I do not believe that, a, 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 um, I just read last night, somebody believed that, that uh, the, the serpent in the tree had sex with Eve and that the descendants of Cain were made the Jews. Well, number one, I, I, uh, a serpent is one kind of uh, uh, animal, and uh, Eve was, a uh, you know, homo sapien. And uh, I don't think you can cross lines that way. You, you know, dogs can interbreed and cause other kinds of dogs, but I don't believe that a dog can cross with a cat and, and do anything right or good. You know, and, and I just say that uh, I don't believe in macroevolution. I believe in microevolution within the, within a genesis kind. Every kind be, begets after its kind, and uh, I think yeah, we can we can evolve and and do better or learn better. And uh, if we do better, we, we might live to 80 instead of 70. But uh, a lot of times the, it's the longevity that determines how good a practice is. And, and we're short-term. We think, oh, this study, we did this in three years or five years, and it didn't show any difference. Well, do it a lifetime, and, and it may be different. You know, I just say Bible is a safe guide, and uh, I, I want to conform to that. Uh, it's not just uh, nice fables, et cetera, you know. <clears throat> That's my opinion. I believe that the God of the universe that made us uh, gave us a word that could be in understood, even if not not all of it, maybe. Uh, and I'm not planning to believe all of it, but I do believe that uh, that uh, the more we try to understand it, uh, the better we are. And I, I think I'm seeing uh, a picture of what's coming that is not going to be good for America. And if uh, people want to understand it better, uh, go to the, the website I have. is thefallofamerica.blog. And for a $10 donation and $3 to ship you the materials, I can ship you two books and a DVD on health that you will love and will help you to reverse most diseases. And um, that's basically, I probably we've talked well enough and covered enough. Uh, I originally <laughs> understood great. a half hour, and this is uh, uh, three oh half hours gosh. that we've covered. 
Uh, thank you for, you know, for staying this long. I, I just, you know, just love the conversation. We've got folks still on the line. Nobody has their hand up, mind you, but um, uh, this has been great. And, uh, yeah, thank you for, for what you do, your perspective, your research in this area, and and also for your openness as well. Uh, because I know I've, I've asked you some questions that are a little, you know, touchy. <laughs> Um, to, to get <laughs> well, that we need some latitude, and we can't be condemnatory. And you, you've got right. your perspective too. God bless you. And uh, but uh, for people that are searching and needing help, uh, I think uh, the uh, the Fall of America dot blog offers stuff that uh, I think could be helpful to people. And uh, thank you for the privilege and opportunity of sharing with you. You've been you've been great. Uh, thank you, Dr. Ruling. All the best, and lots of love and blessings to you. And thanks for our listeners for listening in today. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.